Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're starting a new series today, and I'm super excited about it. It's the book of Acts, Serving Christ Together. And if you don't know what the book of Acts is all about, it's really the birth of the church. It's the beginning of the church. And so today we're going to study this book of Acts. And it's actually going to be a part of our life groups as well. So when we meet for life groups, uh, we'll actually be digging deeper into the book of Acts. And I, See, for me, I'm a proponent. And if you've been in this church for any length of time, you know me well enough. I'm a proponent for God's word. If God's word is not changing our life, then why are we doing this thing? I believe God's word impacts our life. It has a power to change our life. And so uh, we study God's word here and we, we break up into groups called life groups. And we do a lot of relationship. We, we fellowship together. But then we dig deeper. How do we apply God's word to our everyday life? So let's begin this series today. I want to give a little bit of background into the book of Acts. And it will help us to understand the purpose of the book and how we can take this experience and apply it to our lives. If you've been in the church, you know that that's big for me. But the book of Acts is written by an author, by a person named Luke. And he wrote two books in the New Testament. He wrote both the Gospel of Luke and then he wrote the book of Acts. And Luke was a physician. He was an evangelist. And he really was an historian because he recorded, he was very good at recording the different things that took place. And so Luke was also very close friends to the Apostle Paul. We know this according to Scripture. The other interesting thing about Luke, he is the only uh, non-Jew, Gentile, that was an author of any of the books of the New Testament. Now, the book of Acts is really kind of a continuance from his gospel, the gospel of Luke. Uh, In the gospel, uh, Luke shares about Jesus' birth. He shares about his life, he shares about his death, he shares about his resurrection, and then he shares about his ascension into heaven. And uh, the book of Acts briefly highlights in Acts chapter 1, and if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts 1, that's where we're going to be studying today. If you're watching us online or your devices, you can open up your device to Acts 1. But the book of Acts briefly highlights Jesus' ascension, and then it moves right into the life of the apostles who were given this mandate, build my church. What is the church? Ecclesia is, is a Greek name for church. It really means gathering. It's, it's a gathering of people who are just in love with Jesus Christ. It's a gathering of people. So this book highlights Jesus' ascension. Then it moves right into the apostles who are given this mandate to build the church. And then Luke ends his, basically ends his letter uh, kind of, it, it just kind of, it just stops. It doesn't really end as much as just, we know that, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in prison in Rome, and then it kind of moves from there. And I've heard it said that the book of Acts really never ends. The book of Acts is actually still being played out in your life, in my life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we continue to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Um, Acts reveals, one of the most powerful things in the book of Acts, it reveals the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when I say Holy Spirit, that's God's Spirit. So... We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit that comes alive in his believers. And we we know this takes place through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Um, Acts reveals this empowerment. And see, under the old covenant, 
And we're doing a little teaching today. But under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit is mainly seen as an external anointing upon kings and prophets and judges. Like King David, he was anointed by the power of the Spirit of God. An external anointing that gave him the power to do what he did. But under the, and when I say old covenant, kind of the Old Testament, under the new covenant, the New Testament, guess what? The Holy Spirit is seen as the empowerment, uh, the empowering spirit that indwells in every believer for the intent of accomplishing his purpose. Now, as you read through both the beginning of these books, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, if you read to both of this, you'll recognize in the very beginning, Luke mentions a name. And he's writing both of these books for a person that's named Theophilus. And in his gospel, Luke refers to Theophilus as most excellent. So he's a person that had carried authority of some sort. He was, had a high-ranking office. Now, remember this. There is no internet 2,000 years ago for some of those that didn't realize that the internet had never, had, there, was a, there was no internet when I was young, okay? So there is no internet. There is no, I know I'm that old, like, don't say it. There is no internet. There's no television, there's no CNN, there's no Fox News, there, there's none of that. There, you know, the only way that the news is reported is by word of mouth, or it's by kind of like a declaration, or by letter. And so I don't, we don't know exactly why Luke was writing to Theophilus, if he was hired by, by, Theophilus hired Luke, because he's hearing about these crazy stories about this man named Jesus, how he's healing the sick, how he's raised this man named Lazarus from the dead, how, how, how people are just gathering around huge crowds that want to hear him teach, and how he's, they're hearing these crazy things. He wants to know more about this man named Jesus. Luke is bringing the news to Theophilus. He's sharing about this man, how he died and resurrected, how his life has turned the world upside down. How Jesus' followers are continuing to share the good news of Jesus, and nothing is stopping their conviction. In fact, Luke shares with Theophilus how his followers have now been empowered by the very Spirit of God. Even though persecution has taken place, the gospel of Jesus continues to spread. It's just not slowing down. You know when we get these wildfires out in our areas up in the hills? And then they try to start putting them out. We see the big planes come in and they dump the, wa the, the water on there. And it kind of slows it down, but it just keeps on burning. It keeps on. And you wonder if you're ever going to get you know, in control. Okay, in the New Testament, when all of a sudden the resurrection of Christ came and the Spirit of God come through, it was like a wildfire. It was, it was touching lives. It was touching people's lives like never before. It was completely out of control in a good way. Um, so this is an exciting time. This is the birth of the church. And we're going to read the first, ver first 11 verses of Acts chapter 1 and follow along with me. This, these are Luke's words. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken, speaking of Jesus, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed Men, kind of scary thought, but they were angels, so they're not scary. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word today, and I pray, God, that your word would impact our life. That it would not just be words on a page or words on a screen, but God, it would be words that are life-changing to each and every one of us. We give permission to this, your spirit, Lord God, to touch our lives in Jesus' name. And for those who want to, say amen. amen. Uh, through this passage of scripture, Luke paints a beautiful picture of how Jesus is going to build his church. He's basically laying out the floor plan, and that's what I want to talk to each and every one of us today, is how Jesus is building, not just in the past how he built his church, because Jesus' church is still building, and how he is continuing building his church each and every day. It's a wonderful plan that's taken place now for over 2,000 years, actually before that, uh, because even the Old Testament believers who had their faith in God, guess what? They're a part of the church. But it reminds me of the declaration that Jesus made to Peter. And I don't know if you remember this. Jesus was walking with his disciples. And all of a sudden he heard different rumors about who they were saying who Jesus was. And Jesus all of a sudden approaches the disciples and says, who do you say that I am? And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter declares boldly, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus declares to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on. Now, the rock in this scripture represents Jesus. He is the cornerstone of the church. He is the cornerstone of our faith. The church is infallible as we continue to put our hope in Jesus Christ. Let's, I want to take a, look, a closer look at this plan that's recorded in the, in the first chapter of Acts. First, first, the church is instructed by Jesus' teachings. As you see in Luke's report to Theophilus, that it was Jesus' teaching and Jesus' actions that began to change people's thinking. All of a sudden, Jesus started to teach. I wish I could have been in that setting. I wish I could have been. All of a sudden, Jesus started to teach, and all of a sudden, just people started to gather. And his words were different from the words of the, 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 the different religious leaders of the day. His words carried weight. His words carried power. His words were life-changing. As all of a sudden he started to share, people started to believe. They started to have faith. There was all of a sudden something was changing in their life. There was power. Even after his resurrection, Jesus continued to spend time teaching. There was 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and before he was ascended into heaven. And during those 40 days, he appeared, I think it was over 10 different times to people, sharing about his resurrection. He actually, remember Easter time, remember I talked to you about Thomas, which is my name as well, and how Thomas has got a bad rap being Doubting Thomas. And uh, remember, Jesus appeared to Thomas in those, in those last days as well. And if you remember, he appeared to Thomas and said, hey, Thomas, believe. It's time to believe. 
but we're instructed by Jesus' teachings. Um, in verse 3, it states that Jesus continued to talk to his disciples about the kingdom of God. And it should be a reminder for all of us that the word of God is a gift from God. Do you think about that when you pick up the word of God? Is it a gift to you or is it just something that sits on the shelf? It's a gift to us. We have the teachings of Jesus and when we, we can read and memorize and put it, put it into our hearts. Even though we don't see Jesus face to face, we have the wonderful opportunity to know Jesus through his word. And the Bible is a guide for the church. We build our lives around God's word. Amen? It's a practice that we should implement in our personal. The church, when I say the church, I'm talking about you and me. We should build our lives around God's word. When Jesus was facing temptation, he was baptized by John the Baptist. We're going to get into baptisms here shortly. When, he was, when Jesus, and I don't know if you recognize, Jesus was baptized in water. And he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And when he came out of the Jordan River, the, the heavens opened up, a dove descended upon the area, or upon Jesus, it was, represents the Holy Spirit. And this is my son, God said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. It was a declaration, this is the son of God. And immediately, it says by scripture, that immediately the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. And Jesus went into temptation for 40 days. I can't handle five minutes of temptation. He's tempted for 40 days. And he goes without food. He's fasting this entire time. I miss a meal and I'm grumpy. You know what I'm saying? And he's fasting. But he knew that he needed something more in his life because he's facing this temptation. Do you know what, what Jesus used to overcome the temptations that he was facing? The word of God. Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus' words, people do not live by, he's speaking this to the enemy, he's speaking this to Satan. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus literally used the word of God to battle against his enemy. Man, next time you're struggling, next time when all of a sudden depression comes upon you, next time all of a sudden this, this horrible sadness comes upon you, next time all of a sudden fear comes upon you, next time something comes in your life, stand on God's word. Use God's word to battle against fear. Use God's word to battle against... See, so many times we become navel gazers. We become so self-absorbed in ourselves that all of a sudden we're being led by our flesh instead of saying, you know, no, that's enough. I'm going to be led by the spirit of God. I'm going to follow God's word. We're going somewhere here, so hang on with me right now. Jesus used the word of God as his defense against the enemy. And the apostle Paul instructs Timothy, who Paul was mentoring Timothy. He's a young pastor. And he shares with Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. The word of God is actually there for a purpose. Is help us not to do wrong. Did you, did you see that scripture? It, it, it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Paul's reminding Timothy that truth is found in God's word. 
David writes, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. What a powerful statement. What a powerful thought. How do you hide God's word in your heart? Memorize God's word? Read it over and over and over? And then all of a sudden when you face these temptations, when you face these difficulties, I do it in my own life. Man, all of a sudden the word of God. I don't even know, some scriptures I don't even know that I know. I don't even know that I know. And all of a sudden it just starts coming out of me because I've read God's word enough where all of a sudden when I need it, the spirit of God gives it to me. And I start just, and it, it breaks down walls, it breaks down barriers, it breaks down fear, it breaks down those things in my life that I can walk in faith by God. I'm telling you guys some great truth and you got to grab a hold of it. The word of God is for God's people. It's the operator's manual for your life. How many like instructions? How many bought that bookshelf from Ikea and you thought it was just going to come and it was put together and all of a sudden there's 42 pages of instructions in seven different languages and you're looking at it and you're overwhelmed by it. And how many of you just ignore the instructions? You, I'm raising my hand. You ignore the operators, man. You buy a new dishwasher. You buy a new fridge. Oh, I know how these things work. You don't. And then five years down, I didn't know it did this. Because you never... So many people, I think, I don't know why we do this, but we do it when we buy stuff, but we try to live by trial and error. God doesn't want, to live, want you to live by trial and error. He wants you to live by his word. He already has given you a game plan. He's already given you an operator's manual. Why go to trial and error when you have God's word right here that you know that it lays it out clearly for you, that you can follow. He's here to protect you. He is a good, good father. He is not a bad, bad father. He's a father who doesn't hate you. He loves you. He's a good father. Why? He gives us his very word to help us, to empower us. Second, I got to keep going because I bought a baptism. Second, we can see from this passage of scripture the church is motivated by his resurrection. Jesus inspired and motivated his followers. His words always came true. And even his words to his disciples that I'm going to be raised up on the third day, they came true. It was so powerful that it inspired the movement called The Way. You might not realize that was the first name for those who were believers, those who were followers of Christ, those who we call today Christians. It was actually back in Paul's day, back in Jesus' day, it was called The Way, the original name of the followers. And it comes from John 14, 16, where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And his resurrection, it became a theme for his believers. I mean, it was, can you imagine today if, it, if the internet was back in Jesus' day? Just think about this, okay? All of a sudden you heard, he is risen. Jesus is risen. All of a sudden it'd be hashtag the way. Jesus is risen. It's true. Jesus is risen. He's alive. See, his resurrection was proof that his word is true and it is powerful. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, you can see that Jesus interacted with many of his followers after his resurrection. Over those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, Jesus appeared multiple times to his disciples. Jesus wanted his followers to have proof that he is alive, to help them understand that he truly is the Son of God. The resurrection turned skeptics into believers, just like I shared with Thomas, doubting Thomas. 
I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail scars in Jesus' hand or the, 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 spear, the spear in his side. I'm not going to believe until I see those scars. And Jesus appears to Thomas. Hey, Thomas, put your finger right here in my hand. Put your finger in my side. My Lord and my God. My Lord, he was broken before. Something powerful takes place because of the resurrection of Christ. It turns skeptics into believers. The power of Jesus' resurrection motivated his believers. It motivated them to greater faith. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Come on, somebody. I'm all about new life. Water baptism is a proclamation of your faith, of where your life is going. It's an illustration of death. Jesus was buried. Three days later, he was resurrected. It's an illustration of death to life. It symbolizes your victory through the power of Jesus Christ. It's a good opportunity for me right, right here for just a moment. I don't know how many were baptized. Can I just, if you're being baptized today, can you just stand up real quick? I'm sorry, I'm not embarrassing people. But go ahead. If you're being baptized, oh, come on, somebody. You must be getting baptized again. I see I have decided t-shirt. He wears that every day because he loves it. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Um, can I share something? It's not too late if you want to be baptized. Annette's going to go out into the lobby. And if you need a shirt, we got these really cool I have decided shirt. And really what baptism, you can't, don't get baptized unless you're a follower of Christ. You believe Jesus in your heart. But if you have that, if you've never baptized Guess what? It's actually kind of a commandment in the New Testament. Jesus says, be baptized. Go and baptize in my name. And we encourage you to follow that faith because there's something powerful that happens in water baptism. It's basically saying, you know what? I'm dying to my sin. I'm dying to my flesh. I'm dying to the desires of my flesh. And when you come out of the waters, there is a supernatural power that I believe that takes place that says, you know what? I'm serving Christ from this day forward. Mike, I don't know why. Can you stand up real quick? I'm so sorry. Mike Baldwin, turn around and let people see you. How many years ago were you baptized? Three years ago? Mike was baptized here, gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I still remember the day I baptized him. And I, I, I baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he came out of the water, he said, from this day forward, I will serve Jesus Christ. It was a powerful proclamation of his life. And I want that for every person that desires to do so. So Annette, if you can just sneak out to the lobby. If anybody wants to go out there, don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Who cares what other people think? Just go out and grab a t-shirt and a towel. And, and yeah, I might get baptized today too. Who knows what will happen. But Paul's encouraging believers that we have been given new life in our faith in Jesus Christ. We no longer are slaves to sin because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, guess what? It's the same power that's living within you. It's time to believe. As Paul writes, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The movement of the church had begun and it was not going to slow down. 
By the second century, it penetrated Rome and it became such a force that the Roman Empire decided it needed to squash it. It needed to eliminate it. Yet through extreme persecutions, they were literally lighting Christians up on fire as, as lights to the roads. They put them on crosses. And you would think that would eliminate everything. But it states that it didn't eliminate anything. In fact, the way this movement continued to grow. Tertullian, who was a Latin theologian in the second century, living, living during this time of extreme persecution, he wrote, Christ's name is extending everywheres and believed everywheres. It's just happening. Basically, Tertullian is saying, it doesn't matter what the Roman Empire does, the movement towards Jesus is not going to stop. It's not slowing down. The resurrection of Jesus motivated a movement that is still alive today. Another step in Jesus' plan for his church was to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. We see this in verses 4 and 5. Jesus asked his apostles not to leave Jerusalem until the Father gives you this gift. He has a gift. You know, sometimes you have to wait for certain gifts. Be patient for the gift. So just wait. Wait and pray. Sometimes you wonder why you don't have supernatural power in your lives. So when I talk just to the power to overcome things in your life, maybe you just haven't waited long enough. You're so busy, you haven't slowed down and just wait upon the Lord. You say a really quick prayer and you move on. Maybe God just wants to spend time. Maybe he wants a relationship with you. Novel thought. But Jesus asked his apostles not to leave Jerusalem until he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus referred to it as baptism. But it was a different baptism from the, the, from the water baptism. But yet it was the same word that is used in scripture. It's, it's a Greek word called baptizo. And it basically means, and that's why we do this. When we do baptism, in the Greek word baptizo actually means to submerge. It means to immerse. And so when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, I don't, you know, he was immersed into the Jordan River. He was submerged. And so that same word baptism in the Holy Spirit, what we don't understand is literally be baptized by his spirit, is being immersed by his spirit, is being overcome by the spirit of God. Yeah. Pastor Tom, that sounds so freaky. It sounds so crazy. Not until you need it. All of a sudden you get diagnosed with cancer. You're sitting there and you're wondering, man, is this going to, and how, I'm testimony. All of a sudden fear grips your heart. Your face turns white. You're sitting there, you think you're going to pass out. And all of a sudden you start praying. You start believing. And all of a sudden the spirit of God comes upon you. I didn't know if I was going to be healed or not. But I knew one thing, I was going to be okay. The Spirit of God came upon me. And that fear turned to faith. That fear turned to confidence. I thought, man, my Lord and Savior, I have nothing to fear because you are with me. All of a sudden, that's when you need the Spirit of God in your life. Just being real. That's what it means for you and for me. It means that we can be led by His Spirit. You don't have to follow the desires of your flesh. You can follow the desire of the spirit that's living within you. It's an empowerment that goes beyond your own abilities. And we're going to discuss that more next week when we get into Acts chapter 2. But it's important that we realize that it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. Even as we read God's word, it's the Holy Spirit who brings his word alive to us. And I want to share something here. 
and we're almost done, so don't freak out. I want to share something here. As you read God's word, some of you know as your pastor, there's times that, man, there's a revelation. And you never, you don't, sometimes I can see in your eyes that, I don't know what he's talking about. Do you realize that God's word is inspired by the Holy Spirit? So God used men to, to write, you know how broken men are. God used men by the power of his Holy Spirit to write his word. When I read God's word, I always start by asking, Lord, reveal to me what you want. Give me just your Holy Spirit. You see, I have the author of God's word in me. Now you're really getting freaky, Pastor Tom. No, read your Bible. Read your Bible. And so when I, ask, when I start reading God's word, I truly believe the, word, the reason it comes alive is because, guess what? The Holy Spirit starts to illuminate it in me, and all of a sudden it becomes not just words. It becomes revelation. It becomes life-changing. All of a sudden I'm going, why have I never seen this before? Because now all of a sudden the author is going, hey, this is what I meant. It starts to come alive in your spirit. It starts to change you. See, I want you to be assured of this. Jesus did not leave in his ascension without leaving us the tools for us to be successful. He left us his word and he left us the power of his spirit. It's pretty amazing to think about. He first, God is so good. He first gave us forgiveness through his death on the cross and his resurrection and then he empowers by the very spirit, his very spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help lead us. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 14, verse 26. But he says, when, but when the Father sends the advocate, Jesus telling us to the disciples, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I get this. There's times where I'm, I, I'm, my Bible's not with me. All of a sudden I'm reminded of what Jesus' words are. And I know it's just the Spirit of God reminding me over and over and over again. Jesus has given us the tools to be successful. We just need to receive them. Amen? Last thing. Whew, finally, Pastor Tom is finishing. Good. The church is inspired to fulfill the mission. You can see in verse 6, the disciples were still not clear on their mission. They were still looking for this Messiah that was going to come in and free Israel from this tyranny of Rome. They were still looking for some form of military action. And we kind of think, why are these disciples always so, why are they always on the wrong side? Why are they always, and I kind of get on to the disciples as well. And I, I got convicted a while back. And I, Who are you to get on to the disciples? You know what I'm saying, the apostles? No, not at all. You got to remember throughout the Old Testament, Israel was in bondage. And then they were set free miraculously by the power of God. It was like a military action. They didn't even get, some, many times they didn't even have to fight. God just fought on their behalf. And then again, they would go back into bondage because of sin. They go back into bondage. God didn't send them into bondage. They sent themselves into bondage. Don't think God's ever sent you into any bondage. All God wants to do is set you free. Man, it's a word for somebody here today. They go into bondage. They get set free by the power of God. They go into bondage. They get set free. They go into bondage. They get set free. And so the disciples say, man, when is it going to happen? Come on, Jesus, tell us. We want to see the power of God just come and destroy the Romans. We can't wait. Jesus has to set them straight. He has to go, wait, 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 wait a minute. 
Let me reset some of your thinking here today. First of all, this is not your priority. Nor is, nor is it even your business to know what God's going to do. Your assignment now is to go and make disciples. You are to be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about the good news of my resurrection. Notice a key factor in being a witness for Jesus is the power of his Holy Spirit. See, our mission to reach people with the love of Jesus is through the power of the Spirit. We're not called here to destroy lives. We're called here to build lives into God's kingdom. The Greek word in verse 8, when you receive power, it's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word, some of you guys are going to love this. It's where we get the word dynamite, where you blow things up. It's a, it's a power. It's an explosive power. That's how he refers to his spirit. God refers to his spirit in his word as dunamis. It's a power. It's an explosive power. You see, it's one thing for me to walk up and tell someone about Jesus. It's another thing. I've watched Mike talk to people about Jesus. It's another thing when the Spirit of God is upon you and this experience is so real and so alive, all of a sudden it just comes pouring out of you. And they, don't, they, they just believe it. They just believe it. They see it. They feel it. Because it's like the very person, the author, is right there sharing. It changes everything about our witness. Our mission is to reach people. It's an explosive power. It's a boldness to share love, the love of Jesus through your actions and through your words. It's a boldness not to cave to the pressures that surrounds us and to live a dynamic life of faith for others to see. It's the boldness to be okay if you're rejected by, because of your faith. That's a big one. It's the boldness to share your faith through your testimony. Remember during the time of the apostles lived, it was heavy persecution. And the believers needed a confidence and a boldness in their life. And it's the Holy Spirit that gave them that. The other inspiration that the apostles received was Jesus' ascension into heaven. As Jesus ascended, there's two angels that appeared, the two men in the white robes. And they informed them that someday Jesus is going to return. Do you know that? Someday Jesus will return. This confirms the very promise that Jesus told his, very, his disciples. And it's the inspiration for our faith that Jesus will return for his church. And we live in anticipation for that day. The day where evil is no longer present. The only presence will be God's love and in his glory. Think about it. One day, one day we literally will be residing in heaven. Where there will be no more pain or suffering. There is no more sin. Only goodness and love. Ali, my phone is right there. Can you grab my phone and bring it up to me real quick? It brings to the life of the words that Jesus shared to Martha in John chapter 11 when she was so concerned about her brother Lazarus. What was going to happen to Lazarus and Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Why do you doubt? I have all power. I didn't hear my phone ringing. I just wanted to share something with you today. I have this version app on my phone. And the verse of the day for today when I was reading it was so powerful. Revelations chapter 7, 9 through 10. After I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and like, you know there's going to be people there that are different from you? Every language, standing in the front, the one thing that's going to be the same is we're all going to be worshipers of Jesus. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne 
and from the Lamb. There is a day where we're going to have the ability to spend eternity in heaven, where there is no more sin, no more pain, no more wrong. There is just going to be, sin's going to be eliminated for once and forever, and we're going to be able to live with Jesus Christ and in His glory, and it's going to be magnificent. I can't wait for that day. That should inspire us to share the love of Jesus to everyone that is around us. Amen? Let's fulfill the mission. Let's be light in the darkness. Let's make a difference. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that your word does not return void. That it is powerful. It is life-changing. And God, we receive your word. And I pray, God, it doesn't just become letters on a page or words on a screen. But God, I pray that your word, Lord God, becomes revelation. Something that your word actually says that it's, it's sweet tasting to us. It, it, it should be something that, Lord God, it, it brings life into us. I pray for every person here today that may be battling with fear or depression or discouragement, or whatever, or sickness, whatever it might be. Today, Lord God, is the day of salvation. Today is, Lord God, the day of healing. Today, Lord God, is the day, Lord God, of life change, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.